Good morning. Good morning online as well. We're glad you're with us. Uh, just real quick, um, we kind of missed this this morning. Um, they're beginning a new class today um, in room 14 for singles. And so if you kind of fall into that category, um, it's going to be in room 14. They would love to have you join them. Um, we're starting a new series today. Um, and I think this series is so, so important. Because it's something in our world, in our life, especially as followers of Jesus, a lot of times we don't talk about a whole lot. Have you ever had doubts? Have you ever had questions? Have you ever maybe doubted God? Doubted His existence? Maybe doubted if He was paying attention? Or if He even cared what was going on in your life? Maybe questions about Jesus and what he came to this world to do. Maybe questions about his way. The last will be first. Because when I look at this world, I just don't see it. My guess is for most of you, you have had questions and you have had doubts. And I think I grew up thinking that was completely wrong. It was a lack of faith. And I started asking myself, okay, where, where did I come away with that? Who is it who taught me that? And I don't know if anyone ever really taught me that. I don't know if anyone ever stood there before me and said, hey, if you have doubts, it is completely ridiculous, it is wrong. I think I got that through observation. I think I had a tendency to walk into church and see everyone who looked like they had it all together and who were going through really difficult times and never seemed to stumble and never seemed to question, never seemed to doubt. And I just assumed that they were fine and there was no lack of faith at all. But as I've gotten older, one of the things I've kind of come to realize is doubt is not the opposite of faith. I think doubt is a prerequisite for faith. Because faith is believing and trusting in something that you cannot see. And to have faith without doubt is not faith. It's just simply certainty. And there are a lot of things in our world that are not certain. And most of us are afraid at times to admit it. Because my guess is, if I were asked if you've ever had doubts or questions or concerns, most of us would be a little apprehensive to hold our hand up in church because we feel like we would be alone. Like we would be out on the ledge all by ourselves and no one else has those questions. But here's the truth. If you are sitting here today, I can guarantee you have had doubts, you have had questions, you had have moments in your life where you were wondering what God was up to and where he was and how he was working and if he was even concerned. We, we have this tendency to think that there is some law that says you cannot doubt. The last couple weeks, I heard about a law in Texas. 
And this law has been around since 1995. It is law 545.404. And it states that once you put your car in park, that you must put your parking brake on before you exit your car. How many people have broken a law this morning? All y'all, some of y'all put your parking brakes on all the time? Wow. All right, I thought, okay, y'all don't have to listen to the rest of this series. Y'all are perfectly fine. No. It's this law that's kind of obscure. Now, I'm sure there's good reason for it. I'm sure somewhere along the way. But, but it feels like it's one of those laws that we don't know about for the most part, and we're breaking. And I think that's kind of how I've always thought about doubt. Like, there's this law somewhere out there that I've heard or I know that's there that I don't dare cross. But, but the important part of this is asking the question, what do we do with our doubts? Because I, I can tell you all of us do doubt. But the, the bigger question is, what do we do with those doubts? How do we handle them? How do they affect us? Then let me tell you about my experience, because I get to talk to a lot of people, um, and, and a lot of times they're in these crises of faith. But, but what I found, and this is, there's no research behind this, there, there's no data, this is just me talking to people. And, and it's this, for most people, for most people, doubt does not arise from an intellectual crisis but an experiential crisis. Doubt does not arise from an intellectual crisis. It comes out of an experiential crisis. They have experienced something in their life that has made life really difficult and spurred a lot of questions. Now, intellectual crisis will follow that a lot of times. But it begins so often with this experience. Something that they've been through. Maybe it was something from their childhood. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was neglect. Maybe it was a dad who wasn't there. Maybe it was divorce. Maybe it was a death. It was a loss of someone who was really close. But something they experienced made faith really, really difficult. Believing and trusting in God when we're questioning. Because those things happen in our world, right? Bad things happen all the time. And I think there's kind of three categories for the reason bad things happen. We've talked about this before. But, but one, because of our choices, we make really bad decisions at times. Sometimes we make really good decisions and bad things happen. But we make bad decisions a lot of times. And there are consequences for those decisions. And so bad things happen to us. Bad things affect us. What's more difficult is it's not just our bad decisions that affect us. It's also the bad decisions of other people that affect us. Someone else does something that is wrong socially or morally, 
And it has an effect on us. It can hurt us. So there's bad decisions that we make. There's bad decisions that other people make. But then there's a third category. Sometimes bad things just happen. Sometimes bad things just happen. A couple of weeks ago, I have a friend whose house in Arkansas got hit by a tornado. He did nothing to deserve it. Nothing. But, but I would imagine for so many who were in the line of that storm, there are the questions that follow. God, where, where, where were you? Why, why weren't you there? Why didn't you come to my rescue? Why didn't you step in and divert the storm? Why didn't you do something about it? So what do we do with those doubts and questions? Because I can promise you, you are not alone. But our tendency so often is to suppress those doubts. To not talk about them, to not deal with them. And I've found the more we do that, the, the more they tend to grow. They tend to increase. So how do we handle, how do we deal with doubt? If we're going to experience it, it's part of life. And I think a lot of it looks like what Jacob experienced as he wrestled with God. He wrestles with God and he wakes up the new the, the next morning, a new man, broken and hurting, but made new. Because he's wrestled with God and he has been changed. So how, as the people of God, do we wrestle with God and how do we deal with these doubts and these questions as they arise? Abraham, one of the fathers of our faith, stands overlooking a city with great anxiety and worry. Because below him is a city with his nephew Lot and his wife and Lot's daughters. And God has said that he is going to destroy this city because of its wickedness. And so Abraham takes a deep breath and he begins to question God. It says this in Genesis. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. To kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you. Now listen to this. It says this. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The audacity of that question. The audacity to stand before God and say, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Because he not only questions God, he questions God's motives. He questions what God is doing, what God is thinking. 
and reminds him that you are the judge and you can do whatever you want, shouldn't you do what is right? Can you imagine having the faith to ask God that question? How dare he ask? But here's what's crazy from the question. Through his pretentious, audacious questions, his relationship with God grows deeper. It actually grows deeper as he begins to speak with the creator of the universe. What if asking is not doubting? What if asking is actually trusting? What if asking God What are you doing? What are you up to? I want to know. What if that is actually a sign of great, great faith? Because we we do this in our world as well. If you were to go up to someone and say, can I ask you a personal question? We're really wanting to get to know them on a deeper level. We're wanting to know who they are. And in essence, I think that's what Abraham does. God, can I ask you a personal question? Why in the world are you going to do this? I don't understand. Is there any other way that we can approach this? Is there any other way, anything else we can do? Won't you do what is right? I think it's this desire from Abraham to know God deeper, to deepen that relationship. Because the most basic thing we can do is get to know someone on a deeper level. It's to push that relationship forward through questions. One of the most basic questions we can ask people is what is your name? What is your name? Because our names mean something to us. Our names are special. Moses has been exiled into the wilderness. And he's been running for the past 40 years because he made a bad choice. He did something that cost him and something that forced him to run. And as he's tending sheep, walking through the backside of the desert, he sees a bush that is on fire. And even though it's on fire, it's not burning up, and God speaks to Moses out of the bush. And he tells Moses that you're going to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and you're going to tell Pharaoh, you're going to let my people, the Israelites, go. Moses says, that sounds pretty crazy. Sounds pretty crazy. But I want you to listen to this conversation that Moses has with God. 
Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Right? What, what does this question do? Right? It, it sets up this answer from God. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God does not use his formal name Elohim or El Shaddai, God Almighty. He uses the most intimate name that he has. I am. I am there with you. I am who I am. What's important is we ask those questions, inherit to the questions themselves, is the assumption that I don't have all the answers. Simply asking a question simply says that I don't have all the answers. And questions give respect, acknowledge who God is and His power, and they honor Him. But it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act of asking and questioning God, but also approaching Him with awe and reverence. And it's this balancing act as we wrestle with God to know Him more and more and more. Because here's the truth. God can handle your questions. God can handle your doubts. He can handle your fear and anxiety and worry. He can handle you not having all the answers. Moses continues in this journey with God. And he arrives at this place. I mean, he's been called by God, spoken to by God. And goes to Pharaoh. And he is the one who God uses to perform these plagues. And he is the one who Moses stands before the Red Sea and holds up his staff and the waters part. Moses is the leader of the people. And he begins to set up a system where everyone just comes to him with their problems. And they lay it on him. Until it becomes too much. And his father-in-law Jethro comes to him and he says, this is not good. You're going to wear yourself out under the weight of the people's expectations. And you're going to have these questions, and you're not going to know what to do, and it's going to become a burden. It's going to become heavy. This is not helpful. And here's what Jethro says to him. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. 
Moses says, you are leading the people. Your role, your responsibility is not to answer their questions and be the ultimate arbiter of truth. Because there's going to be some things that come your way that you're not going to know how to handle. But I will. And as the leader, it's your responsibility to trust me with the answer to those questions. You might not ever know why it happened that way. But I do. Your job, your job as a parent, your job as a leader, your job as a person of faith is not to have all the answers, but it is to cultivate a relationship with the one who does. It is to wrestle with him and to search for him and to seek him, and he is the one who promises to answer. Your job is not to be able to answer all the tough questions. There's going to be some things that happen in your life and in our world that you have no explanation for and you don't understand, and that is okay. God does not expect you to have all the answers. So I asked Kaylee, could you come help me real quick? This is my youngest daughter, Kaylee, and I asked her to help me this week. Sit up here for just a second. Because Kaylee is a, a pretty bright little girl. I'm pretty proud of her. And I asked her this week, I said, Kaylee, what is gravity? Do you know what gravity is? What, what is gravity? It's something like that holds you down from floating up pretty good answer. It holds you down from floating up. I, I think it'd be pretty cool to float up in here. But here's the problem. Kaylee's answer, is as good as it is, is, is not a great answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I love you, but it's not a great answer. So I asked my friend Doug. Doug Doug's a professor. Doug, I was trying to put into words what gravity is for Kaylee. And um, so, here, you want to take that? Can you explain to Kaylee, not me, I, I got this, <laughs> what gravity is? Sure. So, gravity comes about as a result of quantum fluctuations in the fabric of space-time caused by the Higgs boson, which creates a Higgs field that gives things mass. Now, in order to understand mass, we have to talk about the particle physics, wherein we've got six quantum particles, the up, down, strange, charm, and top-bottom particles. Those make matter, and thus gravity. You got it now? Yeah. <clears throat> so now you can go teach your class tomorrow what gravity is, right? <laughs> you don't believe what you're saying, do you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can go sit down, Kaylee. Doug, thank you very much. Now, all of y'all know what gravity is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let me ask you a question. Did Kaylee understand what Doug told her? No. Kaylee took a spelling test this last week. What was one of your words last week? You remember? No. <laughs> Hope she passed. <laughs> But she took a spelling test this year, and she's been, like, learning to spell right and wrong and some of the really basics. She's at a point in her life, she doesn't know how to spell quantum physics, much less understand it. I am at a point in my life where I can't spell quantum physics, much less understand it. Kaylee's not at a place where she can comprehend yet. Let me ask you another question. Will there be a day where Kaylee might understand what Doug was saying? Possibly. I mean, she's my daughter. <laughs> Maybe there comes a day where she can grasp what Doug was saying. But maybe she doesn't. Just because we ask God the questions does not mean that He owes us an answer. It does not mean that if He does answer, we will understand. Have you ever had one of those times in your life where you went through something really difficult and you're wrestling with God and you're asking questions and you don't understand and you, you don't know, but then 15, 20 years down the road, you look back. And we can say things like, that was the hardest time of my life. But God took care of me and brought me through it in ways that I could never imagine. And as painful as it was, I am grateful because the depth of our relationship has grown See, maybe you're right there right now. Maybe you're asking these questions. God, I don't understand. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're up to. But I want you to listen to what Jesus tells his followers to do. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open to you. Maybe that invitation from Jesus is just to be honest with God. God, I'm in a place right now where I'm struggling. 
I'm struggling to see you. Because there is brokenness all around me. And maybe it's from choices that you've made or someone else's made. Maybe it's just happened. But you're questioning and you're searching and you're looking. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you're asking God, do you even care? Do you see me? Do you see what I'm going through? He can handle your doubts. He can handle your questions. Your responsibility is not to answer them, but to cultivate a relationship with the one who has the answers. Because if that relationship will grow deeper, what will happen is you will begin to see God like you never have before. Father, if we thank you so much for having the ability to know all things, to be all-powerful, to be all-good, to be all-knowing, and yet still interact with us, to have a relationship with us. And Father, I want to just pray for those here who question if it's okay to question. who wonder if their doubt is okay. That you would let them know. That they would feel your presence. And that your people would be the presence here on earth in the life of those who are asking, who are hurting, who are searching. That would point us to you. And Father, it's our prayer that through the questions, through the doubts, through the fears, we would grow more and more in our relationship with you. And Father, that we would walk away having wrestled with God and been changed. Thank you so much for Jesus, your son, who gave us life to give life to this world. Father, we pray your blessing on us as we continue to walk and journey with Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.